stars tina as i always say it's another beautiful day that the lord has made i'm rejoicing and i'm glad the false they said let everything that have yes breath praise him Ah, so amazing i love how we're able to just throw these bonus episodes in there. So this is our second bonus in episode that we're throwing into the mix. And it's, you know, you gotta go with the, gotta go with the flow, right? I think of life like the clouds, they just flow, like the ocean, it just curves and goes. So our our podcast has to be the same way, right? So as you know, my book is- Not everybody. Not everybody. Stars Tina's podcast, not everybody else's Okay, okay. Like I said, I'm original. I'm different. There's nobody like me. But uh, with this with this bonus track, you know, I'm super excited because my book dropped. It's out. No more tromedy on a book stand near you, Amazon near you. And I just wanted to tap into. I've had an interview before, but I know when you interview people, PJ, it's it's way different. So uh, I'm super excited, and I'm throwing it over to you. No more tromedy. The book. The author here for you. No More Tromedy by Stars Tina. Ms. Tina Wilson. If you haven't heard an interview with PJ, I get down to the nitty gritty. And so Stars, what we're going to say up front, if it gets too much, then you, you can you can throw the white flag in. But do say, I have a word, right. like a tactic word, like unicorn or something to tell you, like, change the subject? Unicorn. We'll, we'll, we'll go with you. See, we're supposed to did that before the interview, <laughs> but now we know. So everybody knows the word. When you say unicorn, that means that 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 we we've gone too deep. Let's start out, Tina. First of all, take us on the path to getting to this book and it being released. No more tromedy. Just kind of give us the fast version of it. 
Yes, the fast version of the path of this book. It wasn't really planned. It was something that a coach of mine mentioned. He's like, you should write a book. I'm like, I don't have time to write a book. I don't want to do that. And I thought about all the things that I've gone over in my life that's happened to me because so many people said, you're so motivated. You're so excited. You always have a great attitude. And I said, well, because I've been doing the work. And a lot of people don't understand PJ when I say do the work. So I decided to create a book that would teach people, support people, empower all people, men, women, children, how to overcome a traumedy. And a traumedy is when the energies of a trauma and a tragedy collide. The energies of a trauma and a tragedy collide. Okay. Yes. When that happens, life-changing experiences occur. For me, I feel, I believe that my DNA changed. I'm not the same person I was February 26th, 2016 at 9 p.m. I'm totally different now, the way I think, the way I feel, the way I operate. And I'm still learning, Tina, you know, it's I'm a new person. And I wanted to give people an idea of how to get through life so they're not surviving. For many years, I was just going through the motions, just one thing after the next, not really thinking, not really feel it, feeling. I know a lot of people that go through life like that. So I wanted to teach people, give them a toolkit to thrive because God wants us all to thrive, right? So that is the quickest blueprint to the book. Okay. Now on your social media, your, your, your IG, your Facebook, your Twitter, LinkedIn, I've noticed that you identify as a Scorpio. Tell, tell me what that means. What does, what does that mean that you are a Scorpio? Scorpio. Well, think of a scorpion. All right. Is it the scorpion in the lily pad? Is that the, the little fable? That story? Have you ever heard of it? No, not a scorpion on a lily pad. I've always known the scorpion for it. <laughs> sting. Yes. <laughs> I think it's the Scorpio and the frog. The scorpion. Okay. And the, that story. Have you heard it before? I've not. Oh my gosh. Okay. So there's a frog and they're on a, it's a lake and the frog wants to get, I'm sorry, the scorpion's there and there's a frog and the scorpion asks the frog, he says, Hey, can you take me to the other side of the lake? And the frog says, no, if I do that, you're going to sting me and I'm going to die. And the scorpion says, why would I do that? If I sting you, we're both going to sink and fall into the water. So the frog says, okay, I'll take you across. So the scorpion gets on the back of the frog, and I'm hoping I'm saying the story correctly. <laughs> Ignore it. Um, so the scorpion gets on the back of the frog, and it starts going across the lake, river, ocean, water, whatever it is. And in the middle, the scorpion bites, snips, whatever, the frog. And the frog says, why would you do that? Now we're both going to die. And the scorpion says something like, it's in my nature. It's who I am. Have you ever heard that before? I have not, but I've I've heard something similar to the the snake. Of that's that's the nature, and so that's what they do. Now, how does that relate to Tina Wilson? How does that relate to Tina Wilson? Well, by my nature, I'm always I'm definitely loving, but when it comes to like getting hurt, when it comes to someone doing me wrong, eh, 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 I'm gonna. Love like God has taught me grace throughout my life to be a better person. So that's why I thought of the scorpion uh, scenario, because, you know, I do a lot with that. 
that's why I shared okay. that. All right. Now, back from no more traumedy, you said something at the very beginning of our interview that I want to share that I did talk with Miss Hattie. Miss Hattie is being, being your mom. And Miss Hattie gave me a keen insight to Tina Wilson before she was stars Tina. And one of the things going from the end back is that your mom says that she's proud of you because you put the work in. Now, many folks who see you on social media may not realize because you have that high energy, you're constantly going, you got 50 million ideas, I understand that. And they might not understand that before they get to that part, there's a hard worker. There's been a hard worker. And a person who's qualified to write no more traumedy. If I could, going back to three years of age, when children are just having fun, no worries, no cares in the world, most children, too young to get chicken pops and the measles. Tina Wilson was in the hospital having her thyroid removed. Wonder if you have thought about was that the start of the emotions of abandonment as you would be left in the hospital, your parents have to go home, and there you are, just you. Some strangers that you don't know then go by the name of nurses and, and, and aides and doctors, but they're not your family. Can you go back to that, that point? and share with us, was that the beginning of your trauma? Going back to that moment, I would have to say no, because I really don't recall that many details of that incident. I just remember getting a lot of ice cream or coldness after the <laughs> surgery. <laughs> That's all I really remember from that. If I had to really scroll back to the very first incident, I was at a school called St. Teresa's. I must have been in the third or fourth grade. Okay. And I remember the piano teacher. I don't even think I told my parents this. I don't think I ever mentioned this to anybody ever in my life. Um, I don't know exactly what he did, but whatever it was, I know it made me feel super uncomfortable. I don't know if he put his hand on my shoulder or he touched me in an inappropriate way, but that was the very first time uh, I had my first tra traumatic incident. And I said, I didn't want to play the piano anymore. That would be the very first time. It must've been like third or fourth grade. Okay. And so you started out with piano. I want to go back to five and I want to come back to, to, to that event. Do you remember when your little sister Natalie was sick? I don't remember her sick. I just remember them giving her a lot of attention. Like I didn't know she was sick. I just know she was very small and tiny and they were always like, into her. My dad was always working, but I remember my mom, and I still say, you know, that's your favorite child, you know, so I do remember <laughs> her having Speaking of favorite child, you know, parents just need to be honest and say, and I heard somebody put it this way. They were, they were very politically correct. They said uh, that uh, one child was less difficult than the other mm -hmm. child, but look, let's get favorites. 
the the the, the <laughs> one that gives you the less grief, the one that <laughs> you don't have to go. To, <laughs> you go to the school, you like go because you get an award, not because you're getting kicked out. That becomes your favorite child. I like. I that. also I would want to connect that. with your unconscious memory at three. Then at five, not really knowing what's going on with the new baby sister, and you were used to getting all the attention. Now all of a sudden, here's somebody coming on the scene, and they getting in the spotlight where you need to be in the spotlight out of necessity. But to a five-year-old, it's not out of necessity. It's a hey, wait a minute, here I am. How <laughs> did y'all forget about me? And so that could be associated again with abandonment. Now we go to you playing the piano. And then as a young teenager, Mom Hattie said that you and your sister would fly quite often alone. Tell me about that. You said fly alone? Alone. Well, even before that, Pastor Jeff, when I went to the school, St. Teresa's, I'd have to take the taxi to school by myself because my mother had a record store, my father was working, and I would take a taxi from school home that was very young to be trapped. You know, back in the day, back in the 70s, they would just let kids do anything. So uh, <laughs> flying alone, I don't quite remember flying alone. I know we did travel Piedmont and Peoples. Remember that airline back in the day? Absolutely. <laughs> We'd visit my grandmother or go down south or something like that. So yeah, All right. and that's so what I remember of, that. Your mom said you were flying out of country and, and flying in, in, in country and just you and your sister until uh, again, here's that's resilience. You're putting the work in learning how to survive just for Tina Wilson because you had to, whether you realize it or not, you, you had to. Then you started to play the flute. Tell me about that. The flute, the flute. I don't even know how I got started on the flute. We were living down south and I loved it at the time. There were marching bands. And I was really, really good because I was in the high school marching band when I was still in eighth grade. They needed, you know, someone to play. And I loved it. Even when I went to high school, I went to a performing arts school to play the flute. And it was just very natural for me, very easy. But I didn't really like it. I was good at it, but I didn't really like it, if that makes any sense. Like, I liked hanging out with the actors and, you know, that whole thing. The flute just seemed kind of like band camp, like not too cool. But I did it because we had a jazz band. But I couldn't. So I... You, do you play an instrument, PJ? I play the piano and I okay. play a little bit of the harmonica. I love it. Now, do you read music or do you just play? Now I just play. In junior high school, I played the uh, trumpet or cornet and the baritone and I read music then. Ooh, yes, I, gotcha. I don't now. Gotcha. So see, I could read music, I couldn't just play. So the jazz band, they would just do, 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 whatever they do. But me, right. I could just read the music. So jazz band right. wasn't too good for me. <laughs> but yeah, I really love the flute too. One of the things that you just said is you didn't particularly like it, but you were good at it. This is a trait that has followed you. <laughs> and I want you to speak to what is it that causes you to be an overachiever, even if you don't like it. Case in point, Cloggers High Steppers Championship. Only been dancing for six months. The requirement to be 
a clogger high steppers was five years of experience. Six months is not five years. <laughs> How, tell us what, what, what is it that causes you to overachieve, break records and things that you particularly may or may not like? So for me, I think it's, it doesn't seem like it's overachieving. It seems like it's just about getting there. So for me, I always want to be the best. I always want to be number one. I like to challenge myself. I love doing things that people are afraid to do, can't do, say I can't do. If you say I can't do something, I'm going to do it even better. It's always been in my soul. It like motivates me when things are going not so good. Like the average person, oh, this sucks. That sucks. I get motivated. I'm like, yes, give me more bad stuff. Give me more bad stuff so that I can pop it into something positive. And that's why I think God has gifted me with all these traumas in my life so that I can push through. And he's, you know, he started, like you said, when I was younger, when I didn't even realize it, just slowly putting that layer of skin, like a rhino, rhinoceros is they have thick skin, more thick skin, more thick skin. So then when I got to the height of it, which was my son, you know, I was able to conquer and push through that so that I could teach others. So it's just always been in my veins, in my blood. It excites me. It's like, I can't even, je ne sais quoi. I can't even explain it, but it just excites me. <laughs> and that's why you're going to able to, to build this toolbox. And I'm going to project to the, to the, to the future. No more trombody is absolutely going to provide tools for those men and women who are, may find themselves in a trombody a crossroads of a uh, trauma and a tragedy. I believe that the most impactful toolbox has yet to be written because no more traumas is Tina Wilson reconciling with God looking down in his garden and seeing this beautiful flower. Tina thought it was a beautiful flower too. And God says, I want my flower. And Tina said, you ain't got no right. <laughs> and so I believe it's, it's definitely, it's, it's going to prepare people, but I believe that the, the full story of Tina Wilson and the work that she's put in is gonna be liberating and freeing and absolutely a number one seller. Now we you 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 play the flute, good at it, don't really like it. You move on. You do something in six months that takes other people five years. I mean, just the process of five years of experience being required, and somehow there you are on the team, and it's a championship team. Then, as a teenager, I can only imagine. Uh, my 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 dad left us. When, when I was a teacher, just starting in ninth grade. But my relationship, even though he's my, my hero, you know, there's, I, I don't think there's a, a better relationship than a father and a daughter. And dad and mom break up. And that, that attention giver, that, that hero is no longer there. Talk about that. Hmm. Well, it happened very quickly. I remember we were living in South Carolina and I must have been in ninth grade. 
uh, because like I said, I came to New Jersey and it was the middle of the year and it was just, everything was so quick, so fast. And my father, he came up, you know, he, soon as it happened or not as soon, but right after he came up. So he was always there. So it always felt like he was always with me every day. He, uh, he would come visit me and we lived at my grandmother's house and my father was, he smoked cigarettes, he smoked cools and he legit would smoke one cigarette, light the other cigarette as he was still smoking <laughs> the other one. So he was always smoking. I can't tell you how many times he burnt me with the cigarette because he was always hugging me, but he had the cigarette in his hand. So it was like, ah, oh, daddy, you burnt me again. And you could hear him coming from miles away, it would seem like, because he'd do this thing. He'd go, <gasps> and you'd hear the spit because he always mm -hmm. had like this phlegm in his throat. So I remember like, my daddy's coming, my daddy's coming. I get like so excited. So I had the best, best, best. The relationship with was my dad was similar to the relationship I had with my son. We were always kidding and joking around. And, you know, I remember one Valentine's Day, he got me a present. And I was like, you're my dad. You're not supposed to get me something. What is that about? I like, I didn't understand it. He's like, I love you, baby girl. Cause he'd always call me baby girl. And I was like, oh, okay. Cause I thought I was supposed to be like boyfriend, girlfriend. So I thought that was so funny. <laughs> So you share something there is in the way that you process. As, I'm, as I've listened to Ms. Hattie and as we talk, I'm looking at the similarities in, in our lives. The way that you process that. Tell us a little bit about that, because here it is. What you said is, you know, Valentine's Day is supposed to be about boyfriend and girlfriend. And literally dad was showing you what boyfriend the future husband should be doing because he patterned it, he modeled it. But but in 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 the way that you were thinking, like, what are you doing? <laughs> so talk to us about that a little bit. Oh my gosh, PJ, my father trained me to be a wife. He said, <laughs> he's like, Tina, I'm gonna teach you how to iron a shirt. Why do I need to know how to iron a shirt? He literally stood there and taught, you're going to have to iron your husband's shirt, like all these little things. And he was the one who actually got me started with acting and modeling. Uh, he actually took me to Barbizon. I remember, you know, they were teaching me how to model. And then he took me to New York to my very first commercial acting class. And then there was a movie back in the day called Superfly. Uh, he would take me all these places, lean on me. You know, he'd be, I don't know where he'd be, you know, because I was 16, maybe 15. Yeah, I had to be pretty young. <laughs> and he would just take me and, you know, he it was just like, he was just there, just always supporting and motivating and pushing and just like, you know, giving me that extra, extra push and love and everything. As you think about that, I want to go to a point. I want you to keep those emotions. But you had a time in your life that was a, a, a very low time. And a time that with all that God has given you, you didn't want to be here anymore. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. And you know what really makes me so wild about this whole, when I did that, Pastor Jeff, my, you hear how I talk about my father, right? My life was so exciting, so wonderful. My mother, just as great. My grandmother, like we have a huge family. So there was so much love in my life. So my family, we were, you know, just so great. And all I can say is, and I've heard this from other doctors, that when you're young, your brain doesn't, it's not fully developed. So at 16, 
15, because I graduated high school at 16, so I must have been 15 or 14. Uh, your mind doesn't really understand everything that's going on. And at the time, I had this boyfriend, my children's father. That's who he was. And I was just madly in love, just like, oh, my gosh, he's my life. I can't breathe without you. And it was 4th of July. I remember because we had just finished it watching the fireworks, we're sitting out like, oh, I love him. And as he's driving me home, he's like, Tina, I think it's, it's Independence Day. I think you need to be independent. We need to break up. And I was like, what? My heart was devastated. And I was probably a senior. So it was probably 1989, 88, something like that. And I remember I was definitely coherent of what's going on, but still very upset because I said, I'm going to take all these pills. My grandmother had a lot of medication. I was going to take these pills because I don't want to feel the pain. It hurt so much. But PJ, I made sure I didn't take all the pills because I wanted to make sure my grandmother had enough the next day. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why consideration. I said. <laughs> consideration for grandma, right? Yeah, she's got to have her high blood pressure medication. I don't want to take too much. <laughs> And sometimes in life, like you were talking about the people that want the sympathy, like, oh, my life's so good. This. I just wanted the sympathy. I just wanted his attention. And, and I actually did it twice, Pastor Jeff. Like, oh, my gosh. It's just like, and I had so much love in my family. Again, I just think that was probably just a test from God so that now as an adult, when I talk with young women or young men, you know, I can explain, you know, it's just a phase in your life. It's going to go. It hurts. It feels like. You know, I thought that was a horrible feeling that, you know, that loss of a boyfriend, you know, but it's a different type of thing. They say it's like the endorphins love, you know, like when you're running that runner's high, it's just, it hurts so much. So even though life was great, I still, you know, had that horrible feeling at the same time. you think that the level of that pain at that point and it being that real some way prepared you for what you had to go through with Jamal? Dude, it prepared me for my dad because, you know, when my father passed away, I ended up in a mental hospital for eight weeks. They had me on all sorts of medication. They're like, you're going to be on medication for the rest of your life. You're going to be in this hospital for the rest of your life. It was horrible. So it was like one horrible thing to a more horrible thing. And, and when I was in this hospital, I was just like, okay, God, just get me out of here. Help me just get out of here. That's all I kept thinking of my dad. And I was doing anything they said. They said, you have to take these drugs. Okay, I'll take these drugs. You got to do this. Okay, I'll do anything they told me to do just as long as I could get out. And then when I got out, I was just like, all right, I'm not taking these pills anymore. So I stopped that. And, you know, and I remember we were at dinner with my mother, my mother and her husband at the time. And it was a some big Italian dinner and I'm looking at the table and I was all drugged up. So I was just very slow. Everything was slow. And I was like, I just want to be normal. I don't want to be slow like this. And then I just stopped the medication and you know, I'm like charging time to push through the pain and, and live. I think about is the that, future all the time. Is that when stars Tina was born? When was stars Tina born? Stars Tina was born when I had my modeling company. So uh, I told you I went to a performing arts school and after that I went to college. I went to college for communications because I really had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I just knew I liked to talk. So I'm like, communication, that's what I majored in. And then while I was there, I auditioned for the drama department. I got accepted to that. But that summer I took one dance class, PJ, at a place called Broadway Dance Center in New York. And I fell in love. 
fell in love with the lights, the city, the everything. I'm not going back to school. So <laughs> I was just focused on dancing and I ended up dancing for a rap group called uh, Black Sheep and we went on tour, we were on the Apollo, we did like, you name it, I was in commercials, modeling, all this sort of stuff. But I still had the, you know, my boyfriend at the time, the one who I love so much, I tried to, you know, leave this world. I got pregnant with my daughter and everything stopped. I don't regret anything at all because my divinity is the most beautiful girl in the whole wide world. But then my life shifted again. So uh, that is when Star Seed didn't come then. We have to fast forward to my children were younger and I was in the city acting and modeling still because I just, it's a high. It's like, Argh. and my daughter was on an audition with me in line and she's like, Mommy, I want to do this. So I would take my daughter to auditions all the time. And then my son and then her friends would say, hey, their friends would say, can you take us? Can you take us? So I was like the mom who was taking all the kids in the area to New York for auditions. Okay, we're going to do a JCPenney's commercial. We're going to do this commercial. And I was like, hold up, wait a minute. Tina can make money off of this. <laughs> so then I started a modeling company. And I was like, okay. what could I name it? And that's where I thought of Elite because Elite is class. And I love stars in my entire life. I always said, reach for the moon. If you fall, you're amongst the stars. So my modeling company was elite stars. And someone would say, hey, star, hey, star. And I really didn't like it. I was like, no, I'm not a star. But I would say during COVID, that's when the stars just kind of like stars, Tina. I really love that encapsulated. And like, this is who I am. It's kind of like Beyonce has Sasha Fierce. Right. Stars, when stars, Tina comes into the building, you better watch out. You okay? watch out. When she's revved up, she's ready to go. <laughs> Everything is just changing. The world is shifting, you know? So uh, that's where stars, Tina came from. <laughs> In a nutshell. Is Stars Tina your altered ego or is Stars Tina the essence of who Tina Wilson is? I'm going to say the alter ego because the essence of Tina is a whole lot of stuff. She's soft. She's hard. She's sad. She's like a whole bunch of everything. And Stars Tina is solid, is confident, is powerful, is you know, just there. I want to go back to your childhood and come back forward. Ms. Hattie shared that at a young age, having, being an entrepreneur, your dad being a hard worker, that you had the best of the best. Some would say spoiled. Then Life changed, and you went from having the best of the best to from being spoiled to, let's just say, living in somewhat of a poverty. How did that prepare you for who you are now? So, yes, it was a poverty, but in our mind, we never saw it that way. And I say that because... Yes, I went to private school. They had a house. We had a record store. They had cars. They had like all this stuff. And the next thing I know, I'm just like, what happened? At one point, we were even in a homeless shelter uh, when we lived in South Carolina. But then they got a house. I don't really know because I was a child. But then uh, as an adult, you know, with the children, it was just like people would look at us. And for some reason, I don't know why, my children are very attractive. My son, it's so funny. I was looking at these 
people coming to church today and I was looking at the young gentleman and he was very attractive. And I remember saying to my son, you could put a paper bag. He's like, how do I look ma? You know, when it's closed, I'm like, you can put a paper bag on, you're going to look great. Like my children are very attractive. And for some reason, people think if you look attractive, you're just rich, you have money, you know? And my grandmother always taught us to have class, to have style, you know, stand up with your shoulders back. A lot of people will just be hunched over and you know, that right there just shows, I don't know, it's for me, it just doesn't show positive energy. So people thought, you know, we had money. Pastor Jeff, I remember once, and my family probably doesn't even know this. Uh, I had no money to feed my kids this particular day. And I went to Popeye's and I said, can I speak to the manager, please? And I, the manager took me on the side and I said, uh, could I please have some food for me and my kids? We don't have any food and I don't have any money and they're hungry. And he gave me a box of chicken and some stuff to give them. And it's just, you know, the mindset of just like, I have to do whatever it takes. That's why I've always been a hustler. That's why I've always been pushing, you know, and I don't, I've never thought about money. I still don't think about money because it comes, it goes, you know, God's going to give me what I need when I need it. It's just an abundance. I'm not saying I don't care about money because like I said, I, I'm given what I need and what I want. So it was different. And I love my life. We'd always say that. I'd say, do you love your life? You got to have that little accent. Do you love your life, Pastor Jeff? Do you love your life? I love my life. <laughs> I love my life. <laughs> Stars, how important. You talked about your son being attractive. As a beautiful woman. How important is your appearance to you? Explain that a little more. <laughs> <laughs> I think most women have a certain level of vanity. I like to say that I've never met a woman, no matter what she looked like, that didn't think that she was pretty. Okay, so I have the answer. So for me, I would say I'm easy on me. Someone said this to me once. You're easy on the eyes, and when you put some makeup on, you're kind of pretty. So I think I'm easy on it. doesn't hurt to look at me, you know? And it doesn't hurt to look at you. All right. It doesn't hurt to look at you. It's not going to hurt your eyes too much. I'm glad because I have to look at you through all these episodes. Yes, yes, yes. So. I think I may have certain features, you know, that other people may say are more attractive than others, but I just believe it's on the inside. You know, your inside shines through. Uh, I think like my dimples might be different, my cheekbones, my complexion, you know, it depends on what someone likes, you know? So for some, they may, may be nice, for others, not, so. I'm gonna get messy. I'm gonna go back to childhood and childhood rivalry you know, PJ has no bars. Look, tell me, when you tried to cut Natalie's hair, what was that all about? I don't even remember that, but my <laughs> sister, you see, you see the way my hair is set up, Pastor PJ? Yeah. My, I get my hair from my father's side of the family, let's just say. All right, it's very thick. It, now my hair is like, I love my hair right now. It took me 40 something years to actually embrace my hair. But my sister always had this like very wavy, curly, just like she didn't have to do anything to her hair. So I don't remember cutting her hair, but uh, 
I know I always had hair issues. Black girl hair. I'd say it all the time. Black girl hair issues. Okay. <laughs> Tell those that are listening, how did you get past that? How did I get past that? By make by surrounding myself. There's this woman named Maisha. I don't know her last name. I used to do a show with her. And she said something to me one day that made it snap for me. I'm into fitness. And before I used to do the wigs, the weaves, the braids, all that good stuff. And when I would work out, I'd have one wig for when I work out. That wig would come off and then I'd put another wig on when I'd go about my day. And then, you know, like some black women don't like to work out because they don't want to sweat. They don't want to sweat out their hair. And she said something while we were talking and she says, well, if certain women wore their natural hair, they wouldn't have to worry about it getting messed up. Certain women. And I was like, I was like, whoa, she's talking to me. She's talking to me. Because if you're wearing your natural hair, even though with these right here, I still have to like, you know, tie it up or whatever. I have sister locks now, locks, some people may say, but I love my hair now. But she made a point and I was like, okay. And I started slowly, you know, I, it was, it's been some years, but now I'm finally in it. Like I had to do a speaking event in March for the Toastmasters and whatever it was. And I was like, I need hair. Cause I'm used to big hair, you know? So I put like an extension of a ponytail and it gives me that little more confidence. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like one day I may wear, I haven't in a very long time, but uh, <laughs> if I did, you know, if I wanted to wear a wig, if I wanted to weave, it's just like earrings. It's just another look of who you are. It's an extension of, of, of the beauty maybe, or just looking different. So yeah, that's my hair story. Let's go to no more traumedy. It's been a work of love and labor. It's out. You're doing your book signings. If you had to reduce it to one lesson, you had to get rid of all the rest of it. Just leave one lesson that becomes the entire book. What would that lesson be? And what would that tool be for your readers? So the one lesson that I would share, if I can only share one thing, would be to do the mirror work. Get a mirror and look into the mirror. And while you're looking in that mirror, be still. Because after I wrote the book, Pastor Jeff, I was reading one of the chapters about relationships and boundaries. And I thought I was good where I was in my life, you know, I'm like, I'm good. I finished this book. I've healed all this good stuff. And I realized I had been running away. I was thinking about that mirror work. I was thinking about the relationships. I was thinking about what I had done. And I'm looking in this mirror of the wrongs I may have done or things that have been done wrong to me. I'm going to turn that around. Not the wrongs, that have, things that have happened to me. And while looking at the things that happened to me, usually I'll say, well, that person did that. Well, you did that. Well, you left me. Well, you did that. Well, Tina, look at yourself. What did you do to cause this or, you know, so I would say get a mirror and look at yourself and look at what you've done, because that helped me so much to realize, pause and really evaluate and, and work through that. That's what I would share. Well, thank you. You know, I do have a mirror story and I have to leave Let me hear it. I'd rather give it to you now that, that you talked about mirror work. Stars Tina Wilson, if nobody told you today, PJ wants to be the first. You have an absolutely beautiful smile. Ah, look at that smile. Oh, look, if you don't believe me, find yourself a mirror. Smile at yourself in the mirror. I guarantee you, yourself is going to smile back. 
take that as your creator saying you were wonderfully and fearfully made and you have to celebrate each and every day. Now go out this week, share that smile with everybody you come in contact with, not because PJ said so, but because smiles are contagious and frowns are frightening. Look, Halloween is over with and you might get somebody with PTSD like PJ and that won't be fun. That, that's my mere work. That's my mere work. As we bring this to a close, I, I have enjoyed you being vulnerable and transparent and sharing your story as your mom. She's proud of you. I'm proud of you. You've put the work in. Tell us what's next. What's next? 2024 abundance of changing the world. I want to. I want to. I want to duplicate myself. My goal is to get the ripple effect. I got to so pause. I you. Heal- I, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you're not going to get away with. I want. I wish that we we we're not. You have accomplished too much to use those type of words. I want. <laughs> What's next, stars, Tina? Look, What's I was talking next? to Tina. I was talking to Tina Wilson. Excuse me, Tina Wilson. Can you step <laughs> aside and let stars, Tina, come to the mic? Stars, <laughs> Tina. PJ wants to know what's up next for you. Yeah, stars here. Stars, Tina is here to tell you that next year, my next book, which is going to be No More Traumedy the anthology, which is going to be a book filled with stories from various different women, how they got through their traumas. That's one thing. And then speaking events, PJ, I will be speaking internationally. Every month, I will be somewhere else speaking, sharing my story so that other people can go to the mountaintop and get out of that valley. Those are the two major things that are happening next year for me. All right. We're going to close on this one. I want you to think back hard. And think of the hugest mistake that you made in life and tell us how you pivoted to get to where you are today. I don't think I've made any mistakes. I can't claim that because everything that I've done, you know, if it was a mistake, I'm going to make it work. So I honestly tell us what you had to tell us the biggest thing that you had to make work start. (laughs) The biggest thing I had to make work. Ah, the biggest thing, the biggest mistake. I can't claim anything as a mistake because they're all great. Like I could say my marriage was a mistake, but that was great because it healed me. I could say that. Quitting a job was a mistake, but it made me stronger to own my own business. Uh, a mistake. Something not so good. There's a lot of not something so goods, that, dude. Something, something, <laughs> that, something that your audience would relate to. Because, you know, we talk about fall forward. We, we talk about overcoming those challenges. So maybe you're the, the, the biggest challenge, but for some folks, they're going to say it's an outright mistake, but they pivoted from it. Some people get uh, make a mistake and they get stuck. Other people- Give me an example, throw something at me. Well, you said, what them? you said your, your marriage, right? Yes, so, that was a mistake. That was a huge and, mistake. Okay. And I'm, I, I would- believe that many women could relate and say, yeah, I made a mistake. 
I, I thought I was in love. I thought he was the right one. I, 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 I thought I could change, but it was a mistake. And so okay, here we go. All right, here we go. See, okay. <laughs> I did because I didn't want to claim it as a mistake because that sounds bad. And I, so I met my husband two weeks before my son was murdered. So two weeks in, I'm at his house when I get a phone call, something happened to your son. And I found out that tra tragedy news, you know, that my son was murdered. And I said to him, you don't have to stay with me because my son was murdered. But that whole year, you know, he was there, he took care of me and I was very, I don't know what I, you know, he took care of me. So within that year, we got married the, that following year. And I believe my goal was just, again, when my told you, I just kept moving. I just had to keep going. I had to be happy. I wanted to do anything that would get me happy. And he thought I would be that woman, the woman that he knew for that whole year that hurt Tina, that Tina that was just wanted to be in the house, that wanted to be with him all the time. That's who he thought I was, but that truly was not me. So when the year was up and Tina's like feeling better, she's feeling herself, you know, we got married. And I could tell, we both could tell, I think that something was happening. Literally two weeks before the wedding, I remember saying, okay, this isn't right. But I went through it anyway. One reason, because I was so grateful that he was there for me, that he took care of me. You know, when my son was gone, I was like, I have to repay this man. And he thinking, well, she's going to change. So with that mistake, you know, he helped me stay together for three years. And then COVID came. And I always said, anyone who's in a relationship during COVID, it's either going to make you stronger or it's going to separate you. And during COVID, it separated us. And when he left, in my mind, it's like, he left me, he left me. And I never talked to him after that. It's just like, you're leaving? Okay, bye. Again, that's Tina running. I was always running, running away from the pain, running away from the pain. And just two days ago, PJ, maybe three days ago, I saw him and had a conversation with him for the very first time. Wow. I had an awakening that, well, Tina, because of the things that you did, react, he reacted and did a certain sort of way because, you know, and I said, well, when did it happen? He said it was from the beginning, Tina. You know, I was broken. You're not supposed to get into a relationship. You're not supposed to get married after your son is murdered. Like, you, you know, so that was a huge mistake uh, that I did. The pivot is that it definitely today, after I spoke to him, <laughs> not then. <laughs> Today, two days ago, transparency. Yes, it oh. recently happened. I realized, okay, Tina, look in that mirror. You did blah 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 blah. It wasn't correct for him to do what he did, you know. But I have to take accountability. I have to take accountability in my in my current relationship. You know, well, Tina, maybe your current relationship is like it is because you had unresolved issues from your past relationships. And I think a lot of women just go from one relationship, putting on one Band-Aid to another, put on a, and ignore it. You got to clear that. So I have so much closure with that marriage, you know, and papers are in and it's like, okay, Tina, you, I am great. I'm not even saying I'm good right now because I know we both, there's a reason, a season and a lifetime. And God brought him into my life for a reason to heal me, to help me, to protect me, to help me when my son was murdered, because if he wasn't there, I don't know what I would do. But yes, that was the mistake. You got it out of me, PJ. That was the mistake <laughs> that I made <laughs> getting married a year after my son was murdered. And uh, I made it work by now learning who I am and 
what I want in the life. Starcy, I often say this uh, when I do when I do counseling, and my ear coming out. So I often say this when I'm doing counseling, and I learned it from life. We don't remember all the questions we got right on the test we took in school. The ones we remember are the ones we got wrong. And what is that? It was a mistake. We put the wrong answer. But we learn from those. They get concreted in our minds. They become licenses that we carry with us throughout our lives. And so it's the ability to be able to pivot from that life lesson so that it becomes a benefit where it would have been a setback, it becomes a setup for success continually over and over again. The mistake is made once, but the success from the lesson learned continues on in a, in a loop. Tina, coming to the end of this season, what can our viewers expect next season? And you always have to improve on what you've already done. So I don't know how much improvement we're going to do. What can our viewers look for for the next season? Well, our viewers are going to get so much more than they did for these past three seasons. One, I think, because we've got this collaboration going on and we're getting insights from all different types of people. We're definitely changing the world. We're going to be having events. We're going to be having actionable steps that people can take. Uh, to change your life, like the who, what, when, why, like a real purpose. This is a situation. This is how you can resolve it. This is how you can move forward because people need help, right? Or I don't, I don't really like to use the word help. People need things they can do to feel better, to people be better, help, to Gina. do people better. Need help. <laughs> you, you like to straighten, like to put some nice little fancy sprinkles on top of stuff. The, the truth of the matter is, people need help. Hurt people hurt people until hurt people become healed and heal people help hurt people get over their hurt it's nothing yes. wrong with help you're right i love it i'm excited so you know if you're listening to this and you have some ideas some suggestions we're definitely gonna have some more laughter we're gonna have some fun banter going back and forth some celebrity guests uh all sorts of goodies i'm excited for the new year 2024 watch out mind body and soul awakening the what did we say retwist remix <laughs> gone wild yes i look i think inquiring minds wants to know when are you gonna let the comedian of pj loose you, you know i did make a poop song you know i really did i made a poop oh song <laughs> where did that come about <laughs> what made you do a pooping and a wipe and what was the purpose of that who talks about poop yeah, well, first of all, it's something everybody's got to do. Second of all, the, the is this the show? Everyone's got to have trauma. Everyone's got to poop. Everybody got to poop. <laughs> <laughs> you can get over your trauma, but you still got to poop. <laughs> it actually came to me during COVID. You remember when there was the toilet paper shortage? And folks were fighting toilet paper. I mean, just one guy filled his whole garage up full of toilet paper. So PJ said, what can I do to lighten up some of this heaviness? I mean, nobody wants to go poop and don't have no toilet paper. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so I created a little series called P. Uh, uh, what, what was it? Uh, Rev's TP Tips of the Day. Toilet TP toilet paper. My tips of the day, and I wrote out ten episodes. I recorded five, and then I got busy doing other things, and so I had to create a theme song. So my creative brain, I sat down, I wrote it out. I came up with a tune, and then I had my musician play the tune that I came up with, and there was born a pooping and a wiping. The rim. You felt like everybody got to wipe that poop away. The pooping and a wiping, the pooping and a wiping. You put it in the bowl and you flush it out. Oh, that poop go around and around. <laughs> You're making my cheeks hurt. I'm laughing so much. The comedian will be here next season. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You got to let the comedian out every now and then, every now and then. I love it. I love it. I love it. So if you're listening, make sure you're here next week. It's going to be our final episode where we have our panel discussion. It's going to be so great. Are you excited about that, PJ? I'm excited we, about it because we, I believe, I believe a lot of people may have a change of heart when it comes to receiving the wisdom of those who have been married more than twice or more than once. A lot of people I've heard will say, how can that person give me advice if they've had three marriages? Well, the flip side of that is they've had three opportunities to learn lessons that the person who's only married once has not learned. And therefore, they actually have more to offer. And the second thing, Stars, is, and we'll talk about it when we get into the interviews in the panel, a lot of people look with tunnel vision when it comes to marriage. And they hear divorce, they look at one of the other, the man or the woman. Divorce is the result of two people. And because it's the result of two people, you can't really put all the blame on one person because there's two people. And that some people learn who they are, but they didn't know going in. Some people think they can change the other person and find out that they can't. And that's not the other person's fault. That other person is who they were when they married you and they were who they are when they divorce you. It was the other person who thought they could change them. And since they couldn't, they divorced. And so divorce, again, in most cases, is not applied for by both parties. It's normally applied statistically. A woman is the one who files for divorce. So if women are the ones who statistically file for divorce more than men, then how can we look at the man and fought him for a choice that the woman made? So we don't know if he was willing to stay, if he was willing to do the work. What we do know is that he wasn't the one that filed. So I think there's a lot to be learned. I think there's a lot of myths that we're going to bust. We're going to be the myth busters when it myth comes busters. to divorce and marriage. Yes. PJ, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, that's what the woman did, but in reaction to what the man did. Every action 
for every action, there's an equal or greater reaction. And this is the importance of the work I do with relationship uh, counseling, relationship uh, mentoring, is if I had to say there was one thing that boiled down to, that would be ineffective communication. And ineffective communication is if the woman is transmitting the wrong frequency that the man receives, he doesn't get the message that she's sending. And if he transmits back on his frequency, she doesn't receive the message that he's receiving. So now you have a big misunderstanding, misconceptions, because neither of them really know what the other is saying. And oftentimes I've heard these couples after divorce come back and say, I wish I hadn't known that then. Because our reality becomes our perception. And I often say this, if you're around a group of women and you're talking, you don't have to say much. The ladies be like, yep, I got you, sis. I know what you're talking about, stars. But the men, y'all will be like, why are they so clueless? Just because we talk two different languages. The, the men will be like, I don't know what she's talking about. But the men would be, bro, <laughs> fist bump. I'm right there with you, bro. I got you, bro. <laughs> Look, did, did, did our wives come out of the same mold? Bro, look, the brothers will be talking. And it's because we speak different languages. Yes, because right now all I hear is wah, 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 wah. You lost me like a minute ago. So, <laughs> so I have to learn to speak so your language, which, you know, you and I, if we have enough time to talk, I'll eventually get, I'm, I'm going to listen to you enough that I'm going to get your language, the baby will to get across what I want to transmit. And then you give me that, okay, 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 okay. I got it, I got it, I got it. <laughs> and so that's what we have to look forward to. We're gonna bring some comedy to the next season. We're tackling topics that are relevant to you today. And look, divorce isn't the end of life. Just set you up for a better marriage the next time. Oh, I like the way you say that. I love it. I love it. All right, PJ, let's get out of here. I'll see let's you next week. Let's get out of week. here. All Bye. right. Bye. See you, see you, see you.